Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome, everyone, to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life that make you happier. So here on the show today to talk about learned optimism is the colorful Christy Peterson and Kimmy Culp, who are co-creators of All the Happier, an online wellness course rooted in science and human stories. So welcome, Kimmy and Christy. Hi, lady. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the honor is mine. You guys are such empowered women and I'm so happy to have you here today. But I want you guys, you both do so much and you you can't be described as one thing, each of you. So if you could just, Kimmy going first, could take just a couple minutes to introduce yourselves and tell us about um, your background and what you bring to All the Happier. Sure. Um, So I'm a mom. I I have three kids. So I'm, I'm a mother and a wife, first and foremost. And my background is in storytelling, and I've done that in a number of different ways, primarily in television and film for many years, um, and books, and in and, and a podcast, All the Wiser, which I've now had for two and a half years. And I've really, all these stories over time are nonfiction. They're stories about real people, and I've literally combed the world in the 20 plus years I've been doing this to find stories that matter and stories that move people. Um, So, yeah, and I I continue to do that and just believe in the power of human stories to educate us and to really inspire us. I love that. Thank you. And Christy, tell us about yourself. Um, Oh, boy. I'm like, where do I start? So um, let's see. I wear a lot of different hats, which people tell me is called a composite career. So I've been- I love this, a composite (laughs) career. So back in the day when I was, at the time I call it a baby lawyer, so I'm a lawyer, um, I went to a, I wasn't super happy in what I was doing. And so I went to this this class and they were talking about, well, you don't have to be just one thing. You can have things, something called a composite career. So I feel like that's sort of been my direction. So um, I'm a lawyer. I also am an educator. I facilitate trainings. Um, I'm a trainer for Penn's Resiliency Program. I would say you could divide sort of my career into two stages. The first was as a attorney, specifically a public defender, and then um, for many years, and then about three years ago, um, I went back to school and I got a master's in positive psychology. Um, so my work since then has been more geared towards bringing uh, the research and the science of well-being to different groups and communities. Which is so awesome. Yeah. So thank you guys. So tell us about All the Happier. So how do you come together to develop this course? Why? And what is it? And you know, how can people find it? It's a multi-layered question, but you guys, you can take it away. So Christy and I are now business partners um, and the co-creators of this digital course, which we're super passionate about. Um, but it started uh, as childhood best friends. And the optimistic view, Christy has the optimistic view, which is she described me as when we met in junior high of having killer eyebrows. And I, in fact, had a unibrow. So she had a really optimistic (laughs) view of my eyebrows, and I did not. Um, For listeners, Kimmy does not have a unibrow anymore. She has beautiful eyebrows that Um, So anyhow, um, it is, you know, Christy and I, we have really um, just an incredible shared history and friendships that is decades long. 
And I, in producing the podcast, was telling stories of people who've been through extraordinary things, literally, you know, solitary um, confine, solitary confinement, um, the son of a famous terrorist, um, so many incredible stories and really learning the wisdom that comes on the other end of these things. And so much of it was post-traumatic growth and all of these lessons and modalities that I knew Christy was studying as she was commuting 3000 miles from California to Penn, I started to see the crossover and called her during a global pandemic and said, what if we um, partner and start a business to make an impact using our two skill sets? So we created all the happier. It's a digital course. Um, and we take the science of positive psychology and we partner it with compelling stories. And the hope is that those stories engage people, right? They're entertaining, um, that it's a fun way to learn, um, that they help illustrate all of this um, science and research-based practice that Christy teaches so well. I mean, it's, you know, Christy's um, humble. She's, you know, now teaching it um, to uh, police departments around the country. So this is work that really matters and makes a positive impact in people's lives. Um, and so we created, uh, sorry, um, over many Zooms and uh, up the coffee, we created a digital course called All the Happier. Awesome. Awesome. And what I wanted to ask is, or just tell the listeners, is that the, the habit today is learned optimism. It's not just optimism, it's learned optimism. And Kimmy and Christy came up with that habit, as all of our guests do, owning that habit. So Christy, why don't you tell us why you chose that habit or why that was, of all the habits you could have chosen, why you guys wanted to, you know, as happiness gurus yourself, why that was important. Um, you know, when we're thinking about what habit I can speak for myself, um, what habit we wanted to talk about, what really this, this one came up and we learned optimism. So it's, it's, um, the work of Dr. Martin Seligman, who is a very famous, um, psychologist at Penn. So I was, um, familiar with the idea and the concept, but I will say at a personal level that it was one of the first areas of research. And I would say the positive psychology field that really impacted me personally, that I thought to myself, I've always had sort of, I I call it the Eeyore disposition, the slightly more pessimistic take on the world. And yet I'd hear all this, you know, really wonderful research or that those people who were able to see the world from a slightly more optimistic perspective, there's great protective qualities to that from greater sense of well-being, happiness, resilience, all of these things that I want for myself and I want for the people I work with. I wanted it for my clients, my, that I represent, I want it for my kids. Um, so what really drew me to it is I liked what it is and that it, we call it learned optimism, meaning it's accessible. It's an actionable thing that we can understand and then actually take steps to incorporate into our own lives. Yeah. So I have a question about that. So obviously, you know, I identify as an eternal optimist, but there are times in my life where I I am, it's a problem in a lot of ways because I'm dream really big and think I'm Mm -hmm. capable of everything, which is not always the case and can lead to disappointment and resentment. But for me, (laughs) shocker, right? And so, but, you know, there is some some thought process, I, I would assume out there that people are born with with being an Mm -hmm. optimist or being a pessimist. But what I hear you saying is that, you know, with this idea of neuroplasticity, we can learn Mm -hmm. to be more optimistic. So tell me more about this idea that you either are or aren't. 
So I think what you're talking about is this idea that we um, that optimism is trait-like or it's our disposition. So we are born with a more glass half full perspective or a glass half empty perspective or take on life. And there's certainly truth to that. And there's, you know, some research would suggest it's like, so if you think of a pie of, of how we are and with regard to happiness, Maybe you could say 50% is disposition, or it could be 20% or 30%, but a good portion is disposition. But there is also, when it comes to optimism, there's a good portion here that you can take intentional action in order to cultivate more optimism in your life. So I do think you start with disposition. I mean, I'm just going to, I have three daughters and I will tell you that we've got our youngest. She starts just about everything with good that. So like it's raining, pouring, which maybe that's going to make it tricky for Halloween costume wearing. She would say, well, good that um, it's raining because it's, there's been this awful drought in California and it, this is so good for the plant. Meanwhile, my middle girl is going to approach the same thing and view it as, Ugh! you know, like it's raining and I have this long, beautiful cape I wanted to wear and it's going to drag in the mud. Those are just, they kind of come to the same situation with two different mindsets. And I wouldn't say that one is better than the other. That's an important thing too. Just like you said just now about like being in this optimist that sometimes it can get you in trouble. There is something to be said for being too, I don't want to say too optimistic, but what we're looking for here is really a balance. So when we're talking about learned optimism, it's like encouraging those people who maybe lean more towards on the heavier pessimistic side of things so that they're seeing so much of the negative in the world and just encouraging a slight shift of focus to more of that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. So something that I love is in my coaching business is, you know, I always say all of our behaviors even pessimism have a positive intention. So mm. all of our bad behaviors or, or, or negative behaviors may have a positive intention. And the positive intention of pessimism would be biologically to keep ourselves safe by mm -hmm. looking for danger. And sure. of course, we don't live in the, in the wild anymore, but it is something that our brains have adapted in order to you know, be able to scan for if we were going to get eaten by a tiger. And we aren't going to be eaten by a tiger anymore. So what I want to ask is, what would either of you tell listeners who feel or identify as more of a pessimist, if they wanted to become more optimistic, what could they do in their daily lives to get there? Do you want me to, what do you think, Kimmy? Or yeah, you can start and then I'll- Okay. Um, so I think I look at it as like a two-step process. So the first is gaining more insight into your own way of looking at the world. So sometimes we don't actually know whether or not we're more optimistic or pessimistic. And when, I mean, most people, if you ask them, they'll have a general idea of, yeah, I tend to lean more towards like, wah, wah, or, or others may say like, I more have that perpetual sunny disposition. So I think it starts with insight and understanding how do you view the world and how, when events happen to you, events happen in your life, adversity, or just how do you explain them? Do you see them as all bad, all pervade? Like there's, there's, I'm going to say there's the three P's they talk about when it comes to the way that we explain events in the world. And those are permanent, pervasive, and personal, which sounds a lot more complicated, but I'm just, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, this is always bad and it's never going to change. That's going to be your more pessimistic way of looking at things um, or, or just that it's, it's um, the quality is more um, permanent versus. Um, so I think step one is just kind of understanding how do I see the world? Do I see it as, well, this is hard right now 
or this is hard all the time. The second step then would be if you're seeing like, you know, I tend to view things as pretty permanent, like this is hard all the time. How can you challenge that belief? It really comes down to challenging that belief mm -hmm. of like, what else is happening here that might allow me to see this event that's happening from a slightly more optimistic viewpoint or a slightly more hopeful way of looking at it? Is it, is it happening all the time? Is it shorter? Is it personal? You know, if that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. So asking yourself potentially some challenging questions. Yes. Right. Right. And, yes. and questioning your own thought process. Right. Because nothing is true. Always true. You know, if you yes. like the work of, By work of Byron Katie, you know, she's. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I'm going to reference my, my middle girl is she tends to make those very big, broad statements that are like things are, you know, I'm never going to get this. And I think helping her to sort of challenge, like never going to get it. How about you're not, it's, you haven't gotten it yet. You know, that big emphasis on that word yet. So I think that's a nice way to start to challenging your beliefs about the world. And then it helps to kind of open up what else could be true here. Like what else, how else could this situation be viewed in a more hopeful way? Oh, I love that. And my next question is for Kimmy. So yeah. you've had this podcast for two years. It's all the wiser. And I'm curious what, and you've heard these incredible stories from people all over the place who've lived through everything you can imagine, literally. And my question is, what is the relationship that you found? And maybe you can give us an example of a story between optimism and wisdom. Yeah, so optimism, I was thinking about a guest we had, David Bird, um, wise beyond his years, um, in his early 20s, and he was attacked by a shark with, uh, while paddleboarding with his dad in Hawaii. And what David said, which was really interesting, was that um, he, to speak to Christy's point, when we get curious about an alternative lens and alternative stories, what, what, what options are there for this story? Is there one that's hopeful and optimistic? He said, I could either consider myself unlucky um, because statistically the facts that you would be, the fact that you would be attacked by a shark, or I can choose to view myself as incredibly lucky that I survived and the statistics of people who survive. And then I look at the sequence of events that led to my survival that, um, you know, the EMTs were close, that a uh, chopper happened to be on the island and sort of flipping. So I've found that thread a lot. Um, I recently interviewed um, a 94-year-old Holocaust survivor, um, uh, Dr. Edith Eager, who actually is friends with Marty, the <laughs> who we referenced. Um, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Her work mm. is amazing for listeners that might be curious to learn more. Yes. And um, so she was, again, she talks about this notion of curiosity, you know, within the walls of Auschwitz, she's such an incredible storyteller, but she got curious about her alternate choices of how she could show up in that moment. And she showed up as somebody who was hopeful and optimistic, but to go back to Christie's point, that was a choice. It was a conscious choice for her to say, all I have control of at this point is my mind. And there are several different paths. And part of that path was what story she would choose to tell herself. And so um, she chose, you know, within the, the walls of um, the most hellish, you know, circumstances historically that we can yeah. you know, ever, um, you know, barely fathom and contemplate. So she's just, um, you know, those are just some illustrations. And I think the difference between um, wisdom and optimism, Lady, that's a great um, 
question. For me, there is, um, I often find that they come um, in, tandem, in tandem because wisdom really comes with perspective, right? And looking back and um, when people look back on, um, you know, look or looking back at their story, again, they have a choice of how they choose to, to view that story. And personally for me on episode 10 of the podcast, I shared my story of living with bipolar disorder for 24 years and telling um, basically next to no one, including, you know, my in-laws, because I was so ashamed of it. And I thought it was, um, my experience was it was shameful, it was dirty, um, and I couldn't control how people experienced that truth about me. And when I began to share my story, how I view my mental health now is through a lens of, wow, so much of my creativity is from this busy brain that sort of comes with the chemistry of, of having the brain that I do, that I've been able to create in the world. And my deep experience of the world, which is sometimes really painful because I feel so deep on both spectrums, really allows me to be empathetic. And I think as a mother and as a friend, I'm deeply empathetic, right? And I can- Yeah, well, you're an empath for sure. Yeah. So the the narrative of um, shame and secrecy and being a flawed human being versus the um, choice of the story that I am a um, compassionate, empathetic, creative being and part of that. So those are two different and that I, I'm of service because I can talk to other people about mental health and hopefully provide them hope. So um, I would say in that case, they're again in tandem. It's um, wisdom gained through all these decades of hiding and then sharing. Um, and it's also a little bit of flipping the script to a learned optimistic view of my mental health. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your, your own beautiful story. And what I hear you saying and what I believe so much is that we have a choice how we look at the world and pretty much all of our choices about how we look to the world. If you are a Brene Brown fan, our stories, right? So we might as well, if we have a choice, make up a good one, good story. <laughs> <laughs> because the mind is, a, you know, it's a meaning-making machine and we're constantly making up stories about the world in order to create safety and relax our nervous systems and whatever. So what I'd ask you both is what is the relationship, you know, now that you've shared between optimism and wisdom, between optimism and happiness? Are people that are more optimistic happier? You know, you sort of led with that in the beginning, but tell us more about that. I think you could just... Um go like intuitively when you think about optimism, that's a person who is choosing either naturally or through intention to see the world as a more hopeful, safer place. So not surprisingly, research tends to show that those people who have higher levels of optimism enjoy greater feelings of happiness. I would say perceived life satisfaction. So whether we think their life is great is neither here nor there is they have, they believe that their life is, um, they're happy. They're, they, they enjoy their, um, life. I think also there's like real protective qualities to, um, having, I've said that about, um, having a more optimistic way of looking at the world insofar as you're going to feel a little less stress, less anxious. Um, it's good for your, um, physical, physical health. So there are real benefits to cultivating more of that optimistic way of looking at the world. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And then I, I just want to you know, play devil's advocate for yes, naysayers, please. right? So like yes. you might have listeners that might be thinking, I'm not saying they are, but they might be thinking, well, optimism is afforded to those with different socioeconomic status than me. So mm-hmm. what it, I'm wondering is the relationship between optimism and money or optimism and your, um, you know, the situation you might be born into. I mean, this may relate to the Holocaust survivors, but I'm, I'm interested to know, is it is optimism that's something that's just for the rich or is it something for everyone that can be cultivated? So I feel pretty strongly that it is not for the rich, and this is not something that should be accessible to only a small subset of people. It's a it's a very big motivator for me as a person. I can just speak best on my experience as a lawyer is I work specifically with foster youth. And the thing that really compelled me towards getting that master's in positive psychology is as I was learning these different strategies. And so I'm going to put it more in the category of strategies, like tools that we can learn and build. Um, I wanted those things for my clients that I was representing from a legal legal perspective, because um, these these kids in particular had have had to navigate such challenging circumstances. So if we can find in them, remind them that they have these set of strengths or that there is a way for them to be able to work intentionally work at looking at the world. Um, this isn't looking at the world that it can benefit um, can be a benefit to them. I wanted to, you know, like how do we shore up a group of people who are asked to navigate far more challenges than, you know, many people have to. So is this reserved just for the wealthy? Absolutely not. I do want to say I get your point that a person who is has more challenging circumstances, it's not as easy. I, I mean, I'm not saying like, hey, just go ahead and look at the look at the bright sides. What we're talking about when it comes to learned optimism is really challenging a belief set. And at the heart of that is your ability do you believe in your ability to sort of control the outcome? And that can be impacted by your life circumstances. Um, Certainly. I mean, I don't want to discount that at all, but I still feel very strongly that there is benefits to looking at how can, when adverse events happen, how can I see them in a light that doesn't cause me to land in a space of rumination negativity, and that I'm not going to be able to get out of this space. How can we do a slight shift? I'm not talking about, you know, roses and sunshine and ignoring the very real um, qualities of life or what's happening, but how can we just shift that view, shift that mindset a little bit so that it becomes slightly more hopeful? Because when we are more hopeful, it is, you know, your, your ability to think about creative ways to move forward in the world really opens up. I love that. I love that. So, One more question is, do you think as a society, or at least here in America, we are a more optimistic society or pessimistic? What do you think, Kimmy? Well, currently pessimistic. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of a a baited question. (laughs) Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a strong message of optimism and hope at the moment. Um, Mm. I mean, you know, and... Americans are so resilient, right? We, um, and, and I think within that resiliency is some sort of optimism and hope for the future. Um, but my instinct is, is negative. I don't know. I'm curious. What, what would you say, Christy? So I, the thought that came to mind was like wanting to talk about realism, like a realistic optimism. And that's where I feel like maybe 
there is, um, sometimes when we're talking about optimism, people start to think, are we just going to um, head in the sand kind of moments? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what we're talking about. So wh- how would I want America to be? Can I answer it that way? I would love. Yeah, you can answer it however you'd like it to be. <laughs> Um, I, you guys I are like creating this, change, right? So yeah. you all have this ability to create this change. And obviously you're doing it because we have this context of whatever we have, right? Yeah. I guess I would say I, I, I want to believe that we can move more towards this um, realistic but optimistic mindset. I don't want people, nor is it helpful for you not to be aware of the very real suffering that exists in the world. But if we can move towards kind of a mindset of more realistic optimism is what I want to call it. Um, I think it is to the benefit of our communities. Yeah. So somewhere between rose colored glasses and like desperado, you know, yes. <laughs> sort of this in between, right. Where we can, there are benefits. Yeah, yeah. There are real benefits to, to having a realistic viewpoint, you know, being mm-hmm. overly optimistic that can get you in trouble too. I know all the pessimists I know, though, call themselves realists, which (laughs) always makes me laugh really hard. We talk Um, a lot about honoring the pain and feeling the feelings. So it's not skirting that, right? It's that feeling that, addressing that, um, sitting in that, and then figuring out, you know, where, where you do have choice, where you do have opportunity. Yeah. So learned optimism can be honoring your present while still having hope for the future. Would that be about right? Yeah, I like that. I like this idea of it's it's really bringing the overly pessimistic viewpoint into a little bit more balance. Yeah. Well, you guys, we're headed for a break. So everybody hang in there while we head to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the idea of learned optimism and habits that we can employ in our lives to have a more optimistic outlook. Thanks, everyone. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about our individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for hanging in there. We have Kimmy Culp and Christy Peterson, the co-creators of All the Happier, a wellness online course, talking to us today about the habit of learned optimism and how it can benefit your life and make you a happier person. So I wanted to come back and ask you guys about my favorite two topics, the dreaded, you know, Stephen King always says the road to, you'll appreciate this, Christy, or you too, Kimmy, because you both like to write, the road to hell is paved with adverbs. Now I say, well, the road to hell is paved with expectations. So in my work, I find that when we have a lot of assumptions and expectations going on, we actually end up in a very resentful, unhappy place in our lives. So something I was asking is in your work with All the Happier, do you address topics? And and obviously they're part of learned optimism, right? Because if we can let if we can let go of these assumptions and let go of expectations, then we can we can enter, I would guess, and you guys tell me I'm not the expert, a more optimistic frame of mind. Christy, you want to take that or you want me to give it a give it a go? You uh, you know I just yes, why don't you go go ahead for it? Um, no, you can go. Well, no, I just, I, I'm sitting here and this is <laughs> the, the um, lawnmower just went quite loud. Oh, so that just, okay. got- <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't like- expecting that speaking of expectations. Yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, when you say expectations, the only thing I can say is I was thinking of, oh gosh, it, maybe it's, it's got a bad word in it, but assumptions, when you assume something, you make a bloop out of you and me. Do you guys know that saying? I do. Saying? Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Anyway, but please, can we go ahead? I got distracted by. Okay, assumptions and expectations, how they can affect our happiness is the question. So um, I I think certainly assumptions, as we all know, so much of our, as we talk about narrative and stories in our heads, the assumptions we make about other people, right? And how they're experiencing us and certainly the disconnect of that. But really how Chrissy and I view all the happier is this um, notion of lady, which you know very well, building this toolkit and what we've focused on um, recently and the toolkit, right? As we strive towards happiness and we learn these tools that allow us when we take small actions in our life or small or, or big consistent actions that it does boost our happiness and boost our well-being. But what we also, you know, really focus on is that that same set of tools equips us when life is freaking hard. Um, and that is really just important as important, if not more important for us, as we help people build these skills over the course. And, you know, what we focused on recently is character strengths or what we really view as super skills, which is the things that come really natural to us. And as we identify and understand those, that we can then apply them um, in new and different ways, right? That allow for life to be more enriching. And we can also, and once we understand character strengths, we can look at the people in our life and go, oh my gosh, I get why you're, I see your creativity that you're bringing into this and you just sort of shift. And also we've been working on this piece of values, right? Which is uh, um, not what in, it comes innate to us, but 
but are freely chosen. And when we understand and we get clear on our values, sort of aligning those actions. So when it comes to expectations and assumptions, um, where I was going with it is this piece of the hard moments. And the hard moments come often um, when we make assumptions or have expectations. And as we all know with 2020 uh, and beyond, we all had a lot of expectations about what was going to happen in the next weeks or months or years. You know, oh, we're going here. I'm going to have so much quality time with my father who's 80 or whatever it may be. Um, so these skills we teach in the class, when you there are expectations, right, which, which will happen even when we try and that we can equip you to make that easier. You know, going back in time, um, you know, if we were leaning into these skills, how it looked a little bit different as, as our expectations we had to let go of. So we're really um, in agreement with you about the hazards of assumptions and expectations. And our work is about equipping people when the expectations are not met um, remotely, that they uh, can handle that with resilience um, and, and you know, by utili- utilizing these tools. So I would say that's how the class relates to that a question about right. and expectations. Right. And I mean, and I would also think that patients would come into this, right? Because we have expectations in our lives that are usually related to a timeline, So I often tell coaches, I mean, as a coach, I always tell clients that, you know, it's not always a no, or it's not happening in the way that you want it to happen. It's just not right now. And that's where this piece of optimism comes in, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just not right now. That's a much more optimistic way to look at a perceived no, right? In our lives. Yeah. 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 So Christy, anything more on expectations? Um, no, I think the two things, um, well, first that, that Kimmy, j- uh, sorry, two things that just came to mind. The first is what Kimmy said. I think um, I loved it and I loved how she's explaining uh, equipping people with some strategies so that they can be more flexible in times of uncertainty. And times of uncertainty tends to be when when our expectations aren't met. So how can I not be so set back when my expectations aren't met or when I assume things will go a certain way? And if I have um, the things that we are talking about in the class um, between character strengths and values and connecting with other people and really taking care of your vitality, all of these things really do help a person, equip a person to respond a bit more flexibly, flexibly when they're... Um, flexibly and more resiliently when expectations aren't met. Um, I also hear in what you were saying is there's this idea of challenging beliefs. So to a client who says that no, it's okay. So is that a no forever or is that a no just right now? And then shifting into what what might that no open up in these other ways? That is a um, definitely a more uh, optimistic way to look at things. But what's interesting is that you do that in that coaching dynamic. Um, And so that kind of goes back to this idea of learned optimism that not for everyone that isn't our natural inclination. We hear the no and we're going to sit in the no or that our expectations weren't met. And that means like, it's it, it's done. The worst is going to happen, you know, that kind of thing. And so what I hear too is just how you were saying that is that we can be intentional about how it is we shift out of that. And that for some of us, it takes a little more support or somebody to partner with us to help us to see through that, either through coaching or through things like classes, books, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which leads me into this question of, 
you know, believing in something greater than ourselves, right? Mm. So a belief in that, which is greater. And I'm not saying it's God, it can be anything. It can be, you know, for me, my God lives, she lives in nature. So, you know, I visit with her all the time out there, but I'm wondering if this this sort of worldview of optimism or this self-view of optimism is strengthened by belief in something greater than ourselves. That's a great question. I want to say, like, I don't, I, I don't have an answer that I could pull out of my pocket. That's sort of like, well, the research says. Yeah. Um, but I can just speak from my gut. I think when we see ourselves as part of something bigger, I would, I would guess that that disposition or that mindset is a slightly more um, hopeful which I always, you know, kind of coincides so well with hopeful optimism, that spirituality piece um, really dovetails with gratitude. So even just describing being in nature and where you visit her, there's this ability to really be in that space and to notice and be grateful. All of those qualities, I think, are um, related to um, kind of our, our all interconnected to this idea around optimism. Yeah. And I'm wondering too, in your podcast, Kimmy, are you seeing that, that a connection to something greater is something that you have all these wiser people, um, a belief in something outside of themselves? Yeah. I mean, there's some consistent themes that come um, with people. So these are, you know, again, people who have come out the other end of unthinkable, extraordinary circumstances with wisdom and with gained perspective and certain spirituality is a thing that, um, that comes, um, a lot. And it's also, I think where it is with spirituality and we talk about expectations that there's, um, a notion of surrendering, right? Mm, Like that. Yeah. Roll and grip. There's this, um, it's almost the loss of and that I can't control this. And so I sort of surrender to the fact and that people find some sort of peace and solace and, and, um, and comfort in that, Um, you know, and, and so, so yes. And, and I think people, um, they have a, a, a sense of reckoning and they, you know, they, they look for answers and they look for purpose. And some people, as you said, you know, find it um, in a variety of, of faith, faith and nature, which is that spiritual piece is healing, right? For a lot of people, mm-hmm. people have been through incredible trauma or in the thick of it. Um, so it is a theme that comes up. Yeah, so interesting. So I want to shift to gratitude. So I interviewed, speaking of people coming through the other side of it, Aaron Ralston last weekend, he was the one for listeners and for you all who um, cut his arm off in a canyon in Utah, being stuck there for four days, which was the claim movie, 127 hours. And he talked a lot about, he's an optimist, and he talked a lot about gratitude as fueling his optimism. And so I want to know in you all's course, you know, what, what, you give people or what you would even tell listeners if they wanted to, because gratitude is something you can really grab, grab onto pun intended um, in your daily life to cultivate a more learned optimistic outlook. Yes. So the, the, there is such a great deal of research out there right now of all the benefits of gratitude and it it's, So, which is great because it is one of those qualities or ways of being that we can 
grab onto, to use your words. So um, how we talk about it is really in terms of this concept around positivity and positivity, meaning the cultivation, intentionally cultivating moments of positive emotion. Um, and gratitude is one of those. And an easy way to do it, or easy, not easy, is, um, you know, people have different gratitude practices. The one that I would say I, you know, people are most familiar with is usually hunt the good stuff, see what's good out there. Um, or the, um, you know, what's, what's three, write down what three good things that happened in a day. So there's, those are two gratitude practices. What I do want to add that is so important is um, if possible to understand where you're grateful for, and then also tag on that extra why. So mm -hmm. it kind Love of that, deepens, yeah, it deepens that. Um, so I can right now, my husband has been out of the country for seven days and I am really appreciating him in his absence. I'm really appreciating the role he plays in our family to support all of us, um, our daughters, all of us. Anyway, so for me to say, I feel grateful for Greg feels good. If I, if I take that a step further, I feel really grateful for Greg because he provides such a balance and emotional strength to our family. I've just deepened that gratitude practice a little bit more. Oh, I love that. It gives other, it a little bit extra umph. Go ahead, Kimmy. The other um, hack or trick, um, and this was in a positive psychology book I read at the prompt of my dear friend and business partner, Christine, <laughs> was this idea of sort of working backwards of all the circumstances that led up to a moment. So, Okay, give I us an example of that. So I give an example of that of... Um, so I'm lying in bed, I'm doing my gratitude. I close it, I write it down and I say, walking the dog with Graham, who's my husband. But if I look at, um, you know, I ended up getting home, you know, earlier than expected. Um, the rain stopped. I sort of put together all the little pieces, right? All those micro moments that led up to it. The gratitude gets deeper. And all of a sudden I'm grateful for the weather. I'm grateful that the traffic was light and I got home earlier. I'm grateful for, so all those sequential things that lead up to a moment to be grateful for. Um, so that has really worked for me to deepen the gratitude to all the micro things that- Oh, I that, love this. these micro yeah. minutes that yeah. lead up to your big piece of gratitude for whatever yeah. it is, right? And they flip the script, right? They flip the script into this whole way of looking at it you know, more optimistically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So one thing I wanted to ask is, could you tell listeners if they wanted to join your course, how it works, where would they find it? Yes. So um, you can follow us on Instagram at all, we're at all the happier and our website is all the happier.com. We're currently um, in the midst of a live six-week course, which is incredible. We have people all around the country. What do you think, Chrissy, from like 25 to 78, like gathering yes. with great intention? Um, and people are, the feedback we're getting is incredible, right? Because people are really um, acting with intention and going out in the world and um, you know, leaning into the work and, and having a positive impact. We are going to be launching a class in January, sort of a new year, new you, 2020. Uh, sorry, 2022, not going back to 20. 
I we can go there. back there if you want. We can actually come oh. up with some micro moments to <laughs> there, for today. There is no teleporting to 2020. <laughs> We're moving forward. Um, so obviously a wonderful opportunity to start the year with intention. So follow us on Instagram, go to the website, sign up for our newsletter. We're going to be doing a course in January. Um, we're going to make it super feasible to work into people's schedules and full lives. Um, and you can learn everything on the website. Yeah. So in the website is? Allthehappier.com. Oh, fabulous. Okay. So I just want to talk about happiness mm. um, for the end of the show, because this is such a big topic. And obviously, we're talking about learned optimism in the context of being happier. So... Did you guys identify that people were feeling or wanting to feel happier? Is that something like, I mean, I, I do, because in my practice, I'm a happiness coach and I feel that we all want happiness, but maybe you could start by defining for me, what is happiness to you? And what do you think people are looking for? I have very big feelings about the word happy. So I will start. Me too. Me too. Oh, you do? Yes, okay. I do. Okay. So I've, I, when I say I have big feelings, I should really say I have complicated feelings about the word happiness um, because it is oftentimes we think happiness and people go to this like, yeah, I want it, but they park around this general feeling, a good feeling. And good feelings are important too, but really the drive behind all the happier is a far more holistic approach to what I, I will say is well-being. Well-being is my word. I love it. It's a little more nuanced. Kimmy, we we kind of can go back and forth. Um, it, but part of well-being, doing, well, doing good, feeling good, functioning well in the world is feeling happy, having those positive emotions. That's a piece of it. But it's complex. It's also, you know, feeling good, that whole, that idea behind well-being. It's the relationships and the connections we have with other people. It's our ability to accomplish um, stuff if that's something that we want to do. It's how much meaning do we feel we have in our life? It's, um, you know, there's, there's these different components or different areas, pillars, I should say, that go into this idea of well-being and or happiness as more the umbrella term. Yeah. And do you think as a, and before, because I want to hear from you too, Kimmy, but yeah. Christy, I just want to ask, do you think people are searching for more well-being or, or, or you know, as a sort of yes. spoken word, happiness and, yes. and why? Well, I think... Um, I think it's it's a it's something that people have been wondering about and pursuing for thousands of years. So this isn't a new idea that we want to move towards happiness. If you want to talk about, let's just drop into this exact moment. We're coming out of a time where there's been so much uncertainty, transition, a lot of self-reflection about where I am, what I'm doing. You know, I was just reading another article about this great resignation and how many people are resigning from their jobs and wanting to choose something different. So I think collectively, there's this moment of real self-reflection reflection. And in that, you're wanting to know, how do I want to be in the world? How do I want to show up? What do I stand for? And I feel like those questions are at the heart of this idea around well-being and that people are wanting something more than to just survive. We say we, you can do more than just survive. You can thrive. It's this mm. idea of flourishing and thriving. Yeah. I love that. You can do more than just surviving. 
you can thrive. That probably would be a good thing for me to remind myself as I was dealing with Halloween costumes and kids screaming at me this morning. (laughs) I felt like sometimes I'm surviving for sure, even as a happiness coach. But Kimmy, I want to turn this around to you. So, So the original question, and thank you, Christy, for sharing that so beautifully, was this idea of, you know, what is happiness to you and how do you feel about the word since we all have different feelings? And, you know, why, what do you think is going on in the world that we need or searching for this now? Yeah. So to me, I think happiness can conjure up like this elated feeling, right? Like you're waking up, you're like skipping down the street, you know, like Pharrell Williams is playing. (laughs) (laughs) I like this visual. This actually sounds pretty good. It sounds great, but is that attainable or sustainable? No. Um, So when I think of happiness, I actually sort of have a a much, you know, turn down the volume, if you will, view of um, sort of contentment. Um, Mm, Contentment. Yeah, contentment. I don't think it's a word, but this feeling of being content, like, you know, um, and being present. Um, And I think, you know, so, so yeah, so it's a it's the less maybe <laughs> sexy view or dramatic view of happiness, but it's really this idea of sort of just looking around and 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 being content and being present. Um, you, the three of us, started right. Like you have a Halloween. <laughs> I had a Halloween debacle that started just so so we can laugh about it. Last night, my daughter was dressed like an alien and she didn't have the makeup and it started a crying fest that, that went to bed. You know, she went to bed crying and woke up basically crying because we didn't have all the right stuff and, you know, went on for hours with cupcakes and everything else. So, yes, go ahead. And yes, I was up at six in the morning making Frankenstein slime, which lady told me before may stain all my furniture and my countertop. <laughs> so that may have been happening. It spreads. Yes. <laughs> and um, so it goes back to when you asked sort of this, what is happening collectively? What Christy and I have picked up on is a sense of overwhelm. People are overwhelmed. Um, I think also where it's a re-entry, sort of a slow re-entry. We knew what it felt like to sort of dial back. And it's fall, it's a busy season, we're moving into the holidays, COVID is still. So sort of this sense of overwhelm, and I keep going back to these tools and how it relates to overwhelm, um, is that if we can be better equipped in those moments when the person's having a breakdown or the green slimes all over the white sofa and, you know, or traffic and honking, if we have those tools to lean into, um, to allow us to, to show up differently for ourselves and, you know, the people around us, um, everyone is better off. The people, you know, that you love are better off. Um, you know, the people in your community, you know, as Christy and I say in the course every day, when we start this course, thank you for showing up, um, not only for yourself, but for your people and for your community. Cause, um, when we can be better, we can do better. And that really has a ripple effect. And so I think, um, that can be a driving force for a lot of people to lean into some of these habits. Yeah. So I'm going to ask is learned optimism contagious. I think how we are is contagious. 
A hundred percent. So if I show up in a space with, um, so if you think of learned optimism as a skill, as a strategy for how we want to um, look at the world and the events that are happening around us, you know, micro and macro. So if I'm showing up and seeing something's happening, that's a challenge and I'm able to view it in a more optimistic or hopeful way. What's my energy like? Well, I tend to, I'm going to be a little bit, maybe more present. I'm, I'm not a, like sunshine and rainbows kind of, per, that's not the energy I tend to put out, but I can be a little funnier. I can pull, I can crack a joke when it's, a, when it's a stressful moment. Um, I can, the energy that I'm giving off is, is um, lighter, maybe more present with my kids and that feeling, those qualities are contagious a hundred percent. I also would say it's, a, people are attracted to you. We've all gotten off the mm. phone and being like, or walked away and being like, she's so negative, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, well, the kids and it's a mess and da, da, da. I've had the culture and you're like, oh my God, this is exhausting to be around. The opposite is the sort of more, even if it's learned, right? Even if it's not innate, Mm -hmm. has a more hopeful perspective, leans into gratitude. Oh my gosh, this, you know, this is the best bolognese ever, you know? Um, You kind of want to cozy up to that person and like scoot your chair away from the person who's constantly complaining. So I think people want to be around you more. Yeah, totally. You're attractive and you're magnetic, but you're also also giving out into the world this other viewpoint of how things can and are or could be, right? Yeah, you're modeling it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. And one of the things that I'm really resonating, thank you guys both so much for being here, but what's what really is resonating for me from this whole conversation is this concept of you know, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, this concept that you might not be okay in the present moment, and that's okay, mm-hmm. but that you you can get curious about that the future might be better, right? So that you, even though that you're not okay right now, that if you have enough, you know, as we, as the filmmakers say, you know, you can, so pull focus farther out enough, you can see that, you know, the world's larger, you've survived everything until this moment, and you likely will survive moving forward. And the chances are, no matter how crappy the current moment could be, there is always hope moving forward. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for being here. Please, you guys, if you want to continue the conversation, please check out our Facebook page at Habits for Happiness. And Kimmy and Christy, thank you so much for being here. And guys, check out allthehappier.com. Sign up for the course. Get curious about your own viewpoint of the world and spread some optimism. It sounds like we all could use more of it today and always. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, lady. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.